Holy crap, dude! Holy hole in a donut! Holy cow! By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime, and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for another episode of Stories. This week's episode is inspired by conversations we had in the Twitch stream this week. We were talking about shopping malls and the shopping malls that I grew up with and that a lot of you grew up with and that are really no longer in existence. The shopping malls are a dying breed. They're a dinosaur. They're from a bygone era. And it's kind of sad, actually, because the shopping mall was the center of our existence, starting in the teenage years and going up into our late 20s, even early 30s, at least for me. The shopping mall was the place to go to get whatever you needed, meet people, have a meal, hang out, just do things. And it's so different now. The shopping mall is just on its way out. Now, to be sure, there are still some thriving shopping malls out there. The Mall of America in Minnesota springs to mind. That's still a huge place, still a tourist attraction. There's also the Garden State Plaza in New Jersey, which is up in Paramus, not too far from me. And that place is huge, and it's always busy, and there's always people there. But what I'm talking about is the smaller malls, or the malls in smaller cities. When I was growing up, malls would pop up in every town, it seemed or in central areas between towns, at least here. I grew up in New Jersey, so we have a lot of towns close together, but the stores in those towns are not always accessible. It's hard to get to. So shopping malls would pop up in areas that were easier to get to. And one of the first malls that popped up that I I was aware of is a place called Rockaway Town Square Mall. And they always put a name with it, Town Square Mall. They wanted to make it sound like a cool place to go, like the town square in small towns. When you were growing up as a kid in the 40s and the 50s, you'd have the barber shop there and the hardware store there and the feed shop. You'd get your dry goods, you'd get whatever you needed at the shops around the town square. So then you would get the Rockaway Town Square Mall. Willowbrook Mall was another one of the big ones near me. Willowbrook, it sounds great, doesn't it? And they created these malls so that there would be a central place for all of the people from the small surrounding towns that didn't really have a town square or a main street where they could go to do their shopping and eventually hang out. That's what they became, a hangout. And really, the shopping mall is is the result of suburban sprawl. People didn't stay in the cities. People didn't stay in the towns. They moved out of them, but they still needed the convenience of shopping in one place, thus the shopping mall. But as kids, we didn't care about that crap. It was a great place to go because they had everything. Now, all of the malls always had an anchor store or two or three, depending on how big the mall was. And when I say anchor store, that's one of those big department stores. Sears, JCPenney, Macy's. One of the big department stores where you had men's clothes and women's clothes and jewelry and Sears had appliances. And they had an outdoor department. And some of the other stores, like Abraham and Strauss near us or Fortunoff's near us, had outdoor stuff. So you could go get your patio furniture or your barbecue grills or whatever you needed. And it was a huge store. Now, when I was growing up, there was always a Sears. There was almost always a JCPenney. Macy's took over for a lot of the higher-end anchor stores that used to exist. There used to be Bambergers. That was one of the local anchor stores for us. There was a place called Gimbel's. There was another place called Abraham and Strauss. All of these places, all of these department stores, these giant anchor stores were kind of absorbed by Macy's or just simply went out of business. But 
You had the anchor stores where they had everything you could possibly want in the giant anchor stores. And the anchor stores would be at the ends of the mall. But what made the mall fun and interesting was all of the little stores in between the anchors on the ends of the mall. And I'm not even going to try to address the stores that are there now because they change so quickly. But when I was a kid, if you went to the mall in 1985, that same store would be there for five or six years. And you could always count on your favorite store being there and you being able to find what you wanted in your favorite store. And I sat down as I was preparing the episode and I... I was trying to go through the list of the stores that I remember in the malls. Now, I grew up in New Jersey, went to college in Ohio, and I found some different stores between Ohio and New Jersey, but so many of the same ones. The chains went from city to city, from state to state. If you went into a Macy's in New Jersey, you could find mostly the same stuff at the Macy's in Ohio. Same with Sears, same with JCPenney, and same with the smaller stores. So I tried to break up the smaller stores into the stuff that I remember. There was always clothing stores. There was always a dozen clothing stores in the malls. I remember Casual Corner. That was a women's clothing store. For me, being a young man, there was the Chess King. Do you remember Chess King? Young men's clothes, very fashionable, very state-of-the-art stuff. I bought my first sports jacket there. It was kind of a black-and-white Tweety-looking thing, but it looked really sharp. It was very Miami Vice-like. And Chess King also sold a few suits, and I got my first suit, a navy blue suit, at Chess King. They also had a place called the County Seat. The County Seat was like jeans and denim and casual wear. Now, as time went on, they all tried to keep up with the times. Like, you could get bell-bottoms there in the 70s, and you could get parachute pants there in the 80s, and you could get your oversized jeans there in the 90s. So they all tried to keep up, and they stayed with the trends. But these chains, these little chain stores existed in all of the malls that I ever went into. Casual Corner, Chess King, the County Seat. There are others, but those are the ones that stick out in my head. And then, of course, you had to have shoes, too. And the big shoe stores were Kinney Shoes and Tom McCann. You remember Tom McCann? Tom McCann had their standalone stores in the malls, and they were kind of a high-end shoe. Nowadays, it's Payless. And they're not high-end, they're just pay less. But Tom McCann shoes were big time. Kinney shoes were a little less expensive. And then there was the Stride Right. You could get Stride Right shoes in some malls too. But you would walk through the mall going store to store, hitting the clothing stores, hitting the shoe stores. And then, of course, there's the other cool stuff to get too. You had to go there for your music. They had record stores in the malls too because, of course, you got to get the kids there. So the two music stores that I remember, Camelot Music. Camelot Music was cool because it had kind of a, a castle-y feel, you know, Camelot, King Arthur. I remember Stone Fronts. And I remember going into a Camelot Music store. They had rows and rows of albums. Now, this is the days before CDs when you wanted to buy music. You had to go to the store to do it. No downloading. We didn't know what downloading was. You went and bought the record. And the records were all divided up by category. You had big bands. You had rock and roll. You had country, you had easy listening, and then there was a wall and you would have nothing but cassette tapes in alphabetical order by category because they were selling you the records and they were selling you the cassette tapes for those on the go who needed a cassette tape. The other record store was Tower Records. Tower Records was huge. Tower Records was big and they kept themselves big by one smart little thing that they did. They became an outlet for Ticketmaster tickets. Now, nowadays, when you want to buy concert tickets, you just go on the internet. You can find Ticketmaster, you can find SeatGeek, you can find StubHub. 
You can find any place to buy tickets online. It's so easy. But when I was growing up, if you wanted concert tickets, you had to either go to the arena where they were selling the tickets, or you had to find a Ticketmaster outlet. And Tower Records was the Ticketmaster outlet. They had a little stand in the back, always manned by somebody, and they had the schedules posted on the wall of the upcoming concerts. In case you didn't know from listening to the Top 40 radio when your favorite rock group was coming by, you could always go to Tower Records and see what the schedule was, and then buy tickets at the Ticketmaster. And when concerts were announced on your radio station, for instance, they would always say tickets available at Ticketmaster. And they would tell you when they would go on sale. So you would see people lined up outside a Tower Records store in the mall as soon as they knew the tickets were going on sale, and they'd line up and get ready to go to that little stand in the back of Tower Records to go buy their Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets, or their Chicago tickets, or their Barry Manilow tickets, or whoever was coming around. And the lines would be out the door. But that's how Tower Records made their mark. They were Ticketmaster outlets. But of course, the stores weren't just confined to clothes and music. They had other things, too. Electronics and games were starting to become big in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. More in the 80s and the 90s and the 70s. In the 70s, you would have a store like Electronics Boutique, EB, Electronics Boutique. And they sold calculators and electronic watches, like the Casio watches. That's what Electronics Boutique specialized in. But then software started coming out for computers, and the folks at Electronics Boutique were kind of on top of that wave, so they started adding computers and software to the stuff they sold. And the fact that computers and software were coming into existence led to the birth of software, etc. That's one of the first software stores I remember. And if you wanted games or programs or anything for your Commodore 64 or your IBM PC, that's what they were called then, IBM PCs, you would go to software, etc., Now, as time went on, these stores started phasing out or getting eaten up by other businesses. Like, I remember software, etc. disappeared and became Babbage's. I didn't know what Babbage's was. I just knew that they took over for software, etc. And I also know that Babbage's eventually became GameStop. So if you shop at GameStop now, you're actually shopping at the spinoff from the software, etc. that I used to shop at in the 80s. And software, etc. was in all of the malls. So if you needed software or electronics or anything like that, you could go to Software Etc. You could go to the Electronics Boutique. Those were the places. Those were other Target stores that you would want to go into when you were in the mall. The malls also had bookstores, of course. Bookstores, because people still bought books. And bookstores were huge. The two biggies, and you think you know what they are. They are not Barnes & Noble and Borders. They did not exist back then, at least in the malls that I shopped at. The two bookstores that were huge, Walden Books and B. Dalton. You wanted books, those are the stores that you went to. Now, I wanted to find out what happened to Walden Books and B. Dalton, so I looked it up. Funny thing, Walden Books eventually was bought up by Borders, and Borders eventually closed up all of the Walden Bookstores, so any Walden Bookstores are probably Borders stores now. B. Dalton was bought up by Barnes & Noble. But we didn't know those names when I was growing up. The only names we knew, Walden Books and B. Dalton. So there was a whole lot of different stores you could go into. The bookstores, the software stores, the shoe stores, the clothing stores, the record stores. There was all kinds of stuff to see at the mall. And then the malls had their unique stores, stores that you couldn't find anywhere else. Long before there was a Yankee Candle store, there was a place called Wicks and Sticks. Who remembers Wicks and Sticks? It was a candle gift shop, and it had all kinds of funky-looking candles and weird-looking gifts. And if you ever wanted to buy your mom something unique, you'd always go into Wicks and Sticks. 
they'd have some kind of porcelain duck there with a candle holder in the back, and you could give that to your mom. Here, Mom, happy Mother's Day. Wicks and Sticks was good for that. Then there was Spencer's Gifts, and it was always a weird-ass little store. It didn't have quite the adult paraphernalia that they do now. If you go into... (laughs) If you go into a Spencer's Gifts now, it's kind of like going into an almost adult store because of some of the stuff you can get in the back. I hear I wouldn't know, of course. But they do have some unique things in Spencer's Gifts now. Back when I was a kid, it was more of a weird oddball store. You could buy, for instance, fake dog vomit that you could throw on the floor and freak your mom out with. You could buy odd t-shirts. You could get weird-looking hats, which you can still do. But Spencer's Gifts was always an odd little must-stop place when we went to the mall. One of the other odd stores, and this was actually an anchor store in a couple of the malls near me, was a place called Service Merchandise. Service Merchandise was not so much a store as a catalog that you could walk into and order things from the floor. It was a really weird setup. Instead of having all the products on the shelves... They had a product on the shelf and order forms. And then you would fill out the order form and submit it in the back. And then they would go into the warehouse, which was in the back of the store, and bring the product out to you. It was a really weird setup. But you could get anything there. You could get barbecue grills. You could get tires for your car. You could get those weird little desk tchotchkes that you'd take to the office. You know, the magnetic tower of pencil shavings or whatever it was that you could build and mold into different things. All of that stuff was available at Service Merchandise. And then, of course, no trip to the mall would be complete without a trip to the food court. Now, we still have food courts in the malls that exist, and they have the the Asian food and the fast food and the Italian food and all of the different kinds of food that you might want. You know, you can find a Popeye's chicken and a Chick-fil-A. But when I was growing up, they had some unique food stores that were all over the place. Mrs. Field's cookies were everywhere. Mrs. Field was a woman who invented a cookie recipe, much like a lot of the cookie recipes that are out there now, but she was one of the first to mass market these mass-produced chocolate chip cookies that were supposedly based on a recipe she perfected at home. But Mrs. Field's cookie stands were everywhere. Now, we all know Auntie Anne's pretzels and Wetzel's pretzels. Long before either of them existed, there was a place called Hot Sam. Hot Sam made pretzels and sold pretzels out of little shops throughout the malls. And there's virtually no difference in the style of pretzel, although the pretzels from Hot Sam, I don't remember them being sweet or cinnamony. They were pretzels. They were like hot pretzels with salt or no salt. That was pretty much it as I remember Hot Sam. Then there was Orange Julius. Orange Julius started, according to my dad, as a little stand at like Coney Island or at the amusement parks when he was growing up. But when the malls came into existence, Orange Julius took up residence in certain shopping malls. Not everyone. You couldn't find Orange Julius at every shopping mall, but you could find them in some. Now, Orange Julius specialized in something that can best be described as a cross between a smoothie and a Slurpee, like you get from 7-Eleven. It was orange juice-based, and I think that they put ice cream in it too, but I'm not sure, because they don't really show you how they make it. They show you the orange juice, they show you the mix, they put it in a blender, and they give it to you in a cup with a straw. But I remember sipping my first orange Julius, and it tasted like a liquid creamsicle. If you've ever had a creamsicle, it's like orange sherbet blended with vanilla ice cream on a stick. Well, the orange Julius took this to a different level, and it was so delicious. It was so refreshing. It just hit the spot. And I remember the first time my dad and I saw an orange Julius... 
it was when we were looking at colleges in Ohio, and we went to a place called the Southwick Mall, which is just south of Toledo. Or it was. I haven't been out there in years. It may not exist anymore. But we saw an Orange Julius in the Southwick Mall. And my dad was excited because we hadn't seen an Orange Julius anywhere near us. Oh, you have to try this, he said. You have to try this. And we ordered up some Orange Juliuses. And oh my goodness, it was heaven in a cup. It was so good. So any time after that that I ever saw an Orange Julius, I always went and got one. It's a taste that you can't duplicate. And you could only find it in the shopping malls when I was growing up. Nowadays, you can still find Orange Julius at some Dairy Queen's. I haven't had one in ages because the Dairy Queen near us doesn't have Orange Julius, much to my disappointment. But if I see an Orange Julius come up, I will definitely go get one. And I advise you to as well, because they're so good. The other things in the food courts for us, Sparrow Pizza has been around forever. I think that Sparrow Pizza is literally from the original Roman Empire. You can still find Sparrow Pizza in airports, in shopping malls. You can't find them on street corners or in any town that I know of, but they are always in shopping malls and airports. And they were there when I was growing up. The other one that was always in the malls is Hickory Farm. Now, Hickory Farm first, to my knowledge, introduced the sample tray, but they were very stingy with their samples. I didn't like them very much. But Hickory Farm specialized in those cold sausages where you would cut off a slice and have it with a piece of cheese. Not quite pepperoni. They call it summer sausage. It's not something you cooked. It was like a cold cut, except you didn't have to keep it cold. It was like a dried sausage. And they would always have like three or four pieces on a tray in front of their little pop-up stand in the mall. So you could have a tiny sample, but they were always in the mall. And the other almost fancy place that they had in the malls near us was the Ground Round. Do you remember the Ground Round? It was kind of like a step between McDonald's and Bennigan's. By the way, Bennigan's is kind of like TGI Fridays. I don't think Bennigan's is around anymore either. Bennigan's would sometimes be in the malls, but more often than not, you would find Ground Round. Now, Ground Round did parties. It was like Chuck E. Cheese without the giant rat. But they also served actual nice food at Ground Round. Well, uh, it was actual nice food for someone like me who specialized in McDonald's and Burger King. So taking, taking a date to Ground Round at the mall, that was big. That was huge. We're going fancy, honey. We're going to the Ground Round. So when we were old enough to go to the mall, these are all of the things that we saw. All of these stores, all of these different choices, all of these food options. It was a great time when we could drive ourselves to the mall. Before that, though, before we could take ourselves to the mall, if mom and dad wanted to go to the mall, we had to go with them and keep ourselves busy and look at all this stuff. But some of the shopping malls actually had the video arcade built right into the mall. There'd either be a storefront that was nothing but arcade games, or there'd be like a separate wing of the mall where the arcade was. The Willowbrook Mall had one of the biggest arcades around, and it was in a separate wing. You would leave the Sears hang a right instead of going straight ahead to go into the mall, and you'd walk down a little alley, and just outside the mall, there would be the arcade. And it was huge. Now, Mom and Dad didn't want us going to the arcades on our own, because we were little kids and we weren't supposed to do that. Who knew what was going to happen in those arcades where people smoke, and big kids are, and you never know what's going to happen, and you stay away from them. You don't go near the people who are smoking. Okay, Mom, we'll be good. But as we got a little older, we could go. As long as you stay away from the people with the cigarettes. Okay, Mom, you got it. And in the arcades, they would bring the first-run games that you'd never seen anywhere else. Like Ms. Pac-Man. Ooh, what's this? Millipede, the sequel to Centipede. Ooh, what's this? 
And then the arcades at the mall, they would have the giant sit-down versions of games. So if you were playing the Star Wars game and your arcade only had the stand-up version where you had to stand there and use a joystick and press buttons, the arcades at the mall had a giant box that you would sit in and it had a wheel and a screen in front of you and it was like getting into your own vehicle and you would pilot an X-Wing in the arcade and it was so cool. So any new game that they were bringing out, they would bring it to the malls and let the kids try it out there. Even the mall near my home, Chester Springs Mall. The town was Chester, but they called it Chester Springs. Again, because I want to make it sound appealing. (laughs) Oh, let's go to Chester Springs Mall. But Chester Springs Mall had a little arcade tucked away in the side passageways of of the strip mall. It wasn't even an enclosed mall. It was a strip mall. But it was partly covered, and under one of the covers, there was a little alleyway that led to the arcade. It maybe had 12 games, but that's where we hung out. It was close enough to bike to when we were old enough, of course. Now, Chester was a six-mile bike ride, so we couldn't do it when we were really little. But in that period of time before you're really little and you have your driver's license, you have that period of time where mom and dad would let you out on your own. We would pack up our bikes with our drinks and our goodies and head out to Chester to spend the afternoon in the arcade. Oh, it was great. The dream job would have been to get the job in the arcade of giving out the change. But that was like one of those plum positions. It was always some older high school student who could probably be trusted with a pocket full of quarters. And we were all too young for that. But we thought it was cool to be the guy in the arcade giving out the quarters. Ooh, he gets to play the games when we're not here. What a great job that would be. So going to the mall to hang out, whether it was to play arcade games or go shopping or just see people or hang out with friends, That's what the malls were for when I was growing up. And as I said, even in your 20s, you'd have a certain group of people. You'd make a date with a group of friends to go to the mall. Or you'd make a date with a girl and take her shopping in the mall. And that's how you got to know somebody. Because you would be walking through the mall and you'd say, let's stop in that store. And she would say, nah. And she would say, let's stop in that store. And you'd go, no. And at that point, you knew whether you wanted to spend any more time with her or not. And she with you. But it was a great place to go for that kind of experience because you could walk around, you could sit by the fountain, because almost every mall that I've ever been to has a fountain. Throw your coins in it, make a wish, head off to the food court, get a table at the ground round for a fancy meal, and spend time either hanging out with your friends or getting to know your date while walking around the mall. It was a great thing. So I talked about a lot of the stores that were in the malls when I was growing up. One store that I skipped over and I wanted to come back to it just before we wrap things up is a store called The Fashion Bug. As you might expect, The Fashion Bug was not a boys' store. It was a girls' store. No men's clothes. It was all women's clothes. But The Fashion Bug was the first place that I got a job at an actual mall. It wasn't a huge mall, but it was a decent-sized mall. And they were looking for help. And this was the time that I was trying to break into radio, so I needed something to keep me busy and also bring money in while I was trying to find a way into a radio station. So I applied for a stock boy job at the Fashion Bug. Now, some of my friends said, why are you going to the Fashion Bug? That's a girl's store. There was a method to my madness. I knew that if I was working at a girl's store, who shops at girl's stores? Girls. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I figured, great place to meet girls if you're working stock at the, at the women's clothing store. And it was. As it turned out, I had a great time working at the Fashion Bug. Not only did I do a good job, not only did they eventually offer me an assistant manager position because I was so good at stocking shelves and setting up clothes and designing wall layouts, but the manager of the store was beautiful and we wound up dating. 
I didn't get the job offer because I was dating the manager, but I'm sure it didn't hurt. Oh yes, so many memories from the malls. And I guess that's one of the things that I feel bad for this generation of kids. They don't have that. They don't have a place to go to hang out like we did. I mean, you make your own memories in the world that you live in, but it was such a different world 20 or 30 years ago. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate you taking the time to stop by and give a listen to all these stories that I have from days gone by. I appreciate the fact that you enjoy doing it because I enjoy doing it for you. Until next time, you take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.